Now for our gospel reading today from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. In the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make, your, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Jordan countryside or Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river of Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So last week, Alicia uh, shared with us uh, the story of the uh, Jewish people in the wilderness as they were following uh, God by day as God was a pillar of smoke uh, and at night as God was a pillar of fire. Um, I know, I don't think this was her goal when she chose that text and, and focused on that, but as I've been reading this text this week, as I've been preparing for Advent in general, the, the feeling of the wilderness has really stuck out to me. It stuck out to me, obviously, because we have John in the wilderness in this text, but also just because of what the wilderness means in scripture so often and the kind of year we've had. And what Advent means for us in general. In scripture, we see wilderness as a time of anticipation, a place of change, a place of waiting for God to do something, a sort of liminal space where whoever is in the wilderness expects something great and knows that things are going to change, but they might not even know how yet. Outside of... Uh, the Israelites in the wilderness and outside of John the Baptist, we have Jesus's temptation in the wilderness. We have so many stories in the Old Testament that take place in the wilderness and always the wilderness has this meaning of something changing, something not being the way it was anymore. And Advent is a time in which we plan for that. Advent is a time in which we anticipate that. Advent is a time in which we note and long for God to do what only God can do and change this world for the better. But this year has also been a sort of wilderness. It has also been a sort of wandering, a sort of confusion, a sort of change because things aren't exactly the way they used to be, much like the Israelites, like Alicia talked about last week. We are sort of out of our places that we're used to. We're out of our places of worship. We're out of our places of social connection. And we're longing for whatever is coming next. And so as we focus this week on peace, as we focus this week on 
what that could mean in the coming world, what it could mean in the coming year. We, we, we have this text. And I can't help but find a kindred spirit in Mark in this situation, because this is the first eight verses of the Gospel of Mark. And it just so happens that this year, uh, in the church year, we will be mostly in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, other years, we would be reading Matthew or Luke in this situation. And Matthew and Luke both start their Gospels with a bit of a preamble, with genealogies, with the story of Jesus' birth, right? Um, which we will be focusing on here in a couple of weeks. Um, but for Luke, even, you know, there's stuff that happens before Jesus is born. It's not like chapter one, we have a baby. There's a lot of preamble to that story. Mark skips all of that. Mark is to the point. Mark has something to say and he plans on saying it. There is a uh, sort of impatience in the gospel of Mark. And I can understand that impatience very well this year. I think all of us have a feeling of when is this going to be over? All of us have a feeling of when is life going to go back to normal? When can everything be the way it was? We have a sort of impatience going on right now, which when talking about peace today, impatience is kind of the opposite of peace, internal peace, right? On some level, impatience is not being at peace with the space we're in which I think is understandable. In our text today, we see John the Baptist, John the baptizer, John the crazy hippie, whatever you want to call him, baptizing folks in the Jordan, out in the wilderness. And if we look at the wild part of wilderness, there's few in the Bible that can encompass that adjective more than John the Baptist. Clothed in camel's hair, which can't be comfortable. Just out in the wilderness eating bugs and honey. It's almost like John the Baptist lives in this liminal space. Lives in this desire for change. He is the predecessor, the voice calling out in the wilderness, letting us know that something new is coming. So the first thing that I wanna focus on today is finding peace in the wilderness. And I think John the Baptist is the example of that because John the Baptist finds peace in the wilderness by pointing towards the peace that is to come. John does not dwell in the awkwardness of the wilderness, but instead focuses his thoughts, focuses his energy, focuses his efforts on the peace that is to come. So often when we talk about peace, there's either two different, there's two different ways to talk about peace. And there's both ways that people talk about peace uh, tend to ignore the other. On one hand, we have peace as an absence of violence. We have peace as a absence of conflict. A external peace, if you will. 
often when you hear peace outside the church, that's what we're talking about, right? We talk about trying to, to find peace in the Middle East. We uh, talk about trying to find peace instead of war. We talk about trying to find peace between groups of people who do not interact well. And then in the church, I don't know if y'all experienced this, growing up, it seemed like the only time we talked about peace was when we ignored that definition of peace entirely, uh, but instead talked about an inner peace, an inner calm, an inner, uh, uh, I guess, understanding of ourselves and God in a way that made a way for joy. And so often when we focus on one of those or the other, we ignore what peace really means. We ignore the opportunity for peace. Because like so many parts of the church life, we can easily make it all about an individual issue or make it all about a communal issue. And in doing so, we miss how much God has in store for us. So John did not forsake one for the other, but instead worked on himself while also working on the people he was preaching to, telling them that something is coming. And when he said something is coming, he prepared them through baptism. Of course, there is so much to say about John's baptism, especially since we have so much to say about our sacrament our rite of baptism that is so pivotal to who we are as Christians, because his baptism is a little bit different, right? His baptism is a call to repentance. His baptism and Jesus's baptism tend to be looked at a little differently. But in this story, we see John calling these people to baptism and in that baptism, what do the people do? But they confess. Confession is so pivotal to the understanding of peace in the Christian life. Confession is not just the way that we come to faith in Christ by admitting to God, because confession just means proclaim, right? Ultimately, by admitting to God that we need God. But for so long, for so many, confession stops there. Or confession includes a regular discussion with God about our failings. Just like with peace, when we make it just about our inward peace, when we make it just about our inward confession, when we fail to confess with our lips to our neighbors, we lose something. So often the world teaches us to be good at confession, but not to be good at confessing our own misdeeds, our own sins, our own failures, but rather to confess the, the failures of others both inside the church and outside the church. I don't know about y'all, but that was my understanding of what uh, a prayer meeting was, was to talk about how other people screw up for a very long time. <laughs> We're really good at that, but that's not confession. 
that's blame that's throwing dirt that is whatever you want to call it whenever we focus more on the misdeeds of others to make ourselves feel higher what we fail to do is be the community that Christ calls us to be in my sociology classes at uh, in my undergrad, I took a class called the Sociology of Peace. It was one of my favorite classes I've ever taken in my whole life. And one of the things that they talked about in that is that in peace, there are there is positive peace and there is negative peace. Negative peace is the absence of strife. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about this as well, uh, that the absence of violence is negative peace. But without positive peace, which is the addition to human flourishing. We not just say, nobody is going to kill you anymore, but we also say you will be able to have a meal and, and healthcare and be able to raise your family. There is not just the promise that nothing will physically attack you, but also that you will be able to grow. I think just like there is positive and negative peace, there is positive and negative confession. Because we can have negative confession in this sense, not saying that it is a bad confession, but rather saying that it is a confession that rids ourselves of guilt, right? On some level that we are able to speak what we have done wrong and uh, be to, to find forgiveness, to, to find repentance, to find acceptance when we don't deserve it. But there's also a positive confession in which we cannot just say what we have done wrong, but we can also say what God has done right in our lives. We cannot just say, these are the ways that I have failed, but we can say these are the ways that God has succeeded. And I think in this wilderness time, this Advent time, both in the church as we prepare for Christmas and also in this year as we're trying to figure out what the heck is going on with our own lives and the world around us. We can not only confess to ways that we can do better, but we can also confess to ourselves and to our brothers and sisters the way that God has already showed up. Because so often we lose ourselves in the strife we lose ourselves in the worry. We lose ourselves in the pain. I remember growing up, listening to Christmas music every year. My mom's favorite song for Christmas time was uh, Count Your Blessings by Bing Crosby. Of course she loved it because it was sappy as all get out and that is my mom to a T. But I remember being very confused as to why the heck that was a Christmas song. But really on some level, the peace that comes through counting and naming the ways that God has already showed up in our lives, even in the confusion and the loss and the pain is the best way to prepare for Christmas. It is the best way to find peace. And confessing to our brothers and sisters those same things 
confessing not just what we've done wrong, but what God has done right is the best way to create peace between us as well. Because really, confession is the most awkward and unanticipated part of the Christian life to the world around us. <laughs> Who admits that they've done wrong? No one. That's the way the world sees it. And so if we can be who God asks us to be and confess, open ourselves up, tell people that we do not have it all figured out, which is the opposite of what I was told in church. I don't know about y'all. I felt like I was told that the church has it all figured out. So as we go through this week, as we continue in this path, <laughs> confess not just to God, but to yourself. And then in doing so, confess to others so that we can find peace in ourselves and we can find peace in our communities. We can find the kingdom that God has us to find. Pray with me, please. Most gracious God, as we walk through the wilderness with you, following the signs you're leading us to follow. God, we ask that you show us our deepest and truest selves. The stuff that we hide from ourselves, nonetheless try to hide from you that you know already. God, show us so we can talk to you about it. So we can talk to ourselves about it. So that anything that is stuck or stagnant or festering can be cleaned out and we may find peace. God, show us how to confess to each other. Show us how to be true to ourselves and to our families, our friends, those closer than brothers, more solid than sisters, God. Show us how to build a community built on truth. Show us how to build a community built on honesty and humility. Allow us to show that to the world around us so that your peace will be made known. Be with us today and every day. And it is in your son's gracious name we pray. Amen.